0: Welcome to In Season, where we explore the lands, people, plants, and wildlife of the lower Columbia Pacific region. I'm Teresa Ratzloff, and if you have visited the Astoria Sunday Market in recent years, you have probably seen the beautiful, amazing, abundant produce display um at spring up farms market booth and today i'm so excited to be talking to the woman behind that beautiful display kelly huckestein of spring up farm hey kelly hey
1: how's it
0: going it's going really well um i'd I not blow and smoke up i just absolutely <laughs> it is the most beautiful produce display Aww. and i know you have you have a history in produce department you know yeah. like you learned how to display
1: veg it's my favorite part of market <laughs> I, even if i decide someday to like not be personing my booth and hiring someone i still might come and set it up because i just want to make a, it's like you get your artistic like juices out. <laughs>
0: it's it's really beautiful and it's so impressive. So I want you to tell people a little bit about your farm. You're here at you're in Napa, mm-hmm. Oregon, mm-hmm. Um, out Highway Thirty, and tell us a little bit about you know your land, mm-hmm. how big of an area do you farm, and um, what you grow.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're pretty small. We're out. We're like we're actually like kind of right between Napa and Swenson, and this like no man's land of Coppish Road. But <laughs> um, yeah, we're uh, like our whole property is about five acres. But I have about an acre and a half fenced in. But then if you you know like growers have their like different like this is how much land I own. This is how much land I have fenced. This is how much land I have in production. So if you wanted all those things, so production wise, if you only counted like bed footage and whatnot Mm -hmm. it's like two-thirds of an acre yeah so that kind of gives you the doop 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 you know so
0: (laughs) that's an impressive amount that you pull out of two-thirds of an acre yeah
1: yeah I mean yeah we cram it in for sure (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so we have uh, a lot of it is just outside um and then we have a few like um high tunnels everything's still grown in the ground no heating just passive solar um so yeah that's about it and a caterpillar tunnel which is like another a so ex- explain what a ca- <laughs>
0: I love caterpillar tunnel just the name, but explain what a caterpillar caterpillar tunnel is. Yeah, it's not where you grow caterpillars. No,
1: although some years some it is years where you do. we grow caterpillars, <laughs> but especially recently I feel like caterpillars have become more and more of a thing. But um, we use it. It can be kind of a more. Uh, some people use it just like we would a high tunnel and keep it as a permanent structure and use it just like that. The way we use it is we. Set it up, like the frames, the purlins all kind of get set in, but they're not really like anchored. Um, And then you put the plastic on and you anchor the plastic down. So the plastic's kind of holding everything in place. Um, And then we move it um, during the year. That's kind of why we decide to use it is because it's not a permanent structure. So then I get my spring stuff sewed in it, everything gets started, and then I move it. And so all that stuff that's kind of grown up and a little bit bigger can be outside once it's warmed up. And then I move it in and put things like eggplant, tomato, you know, like summer stuff on it later. Um, but during because it's not really a permanent structure and with the winds we get around here, I take the plastic off in the winter. You know, and so it's a lot of like putting plastic on, taking plastic off. But it, you know, it acts just like a like a greenhouse, a hoop house, but it's a little less sturdy. Like, you wouldn't want to leave it up. And I know a bunch of people this year that lost caterpillar tunnels because they didn't take the plastic off.
0: um, Those winds were strong.
1: Yeah. So we definitely use it as more of a, like, temporary during the season. Sort of
0: another season extension. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It just gets that, you know, things just a little bit warmer. Soil just a little bit warmer. um, Mm -hmm. And it helps a lot. And like I said, it really helps with rotation and just, like, being able to get things started, take it off, get another area under plastic. Yeah, it just, I really like using it that way.
0: It's a very cool thing. I've been eyeing those a lot and mm-hmm. thinking about those. And and there is something nice about it being less permanent than, you mm-hmm. know, a, a greenhouse, you know, high tunnel structure where, you know, you've got post-sunken concrete oh, yeah. and it's it's not going anywhere. Oh, yeah. And then there's also the idea of like with the, with the soil underneath it, in greenhouses, because they're never getting rained on... Right you know, you would have to take your plastic off and leave it off for For a a year to really get that kind of rejuvenation of the soil. And whereas with this, you're getting that. So it seems like a really good compromise and and less of a commitment.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know a lot of people use them, like if they're renting land or things like that, also because of like what you said, like they're not sunk in concrete. They're a little bit more, you know, you could take it with you. You could totally disband it and like (laughs) put it on a pallet and move it if you really needed to. Um, But yeah, I really enjoy it. I mean, it is a bit you know, of a hassle to move it. It's not like the easiest you thing. You can't but do it by yourself. No, you need a friend. No, definitely. <laughs> but like two people, we do it with two people, and we can do it in a like couple hours. You know, so it's like it's not terrible. Um, but yeah, I really like it.
0: And it does really help with your with your rotation mm-hmm. and, like you said, extending the season. One thing I really want to talk to you about. So you grow a variety of vegetables. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and year round, or mm-hmm. do you pr- mostly focusing on spring summer.
1: Yeah, I mean, most of our stuff is um, during the main growing season, but the cool thing about the coast is that we can grow year-round here. Um, you know, we, we do get some snows and freezes, but, like, comparatively, the temperature doesn't get down so bad that it kills everything, you know. So we, I have a lot of winter-hardy brassicas, like cauliflower, broccoli, sprouting broccolis, cabbages that are fine just hanging out outside um, and you know you have to pick your variety and all that kind of stuff Um, but we grow a lot outside in the winter and in the you know in the high tunnels as well but you can grow pretty much year-round around here and then of course I do a bunch of cover crop as well I don't have the whole thing decked out in (laughs) winter (laughs) produce because that would be really hard that's the the downside to doing winter produce is that you have to start putting it in in the height of summer you know, like in like August, you know, to get it to a stage that it can then overwinter. So, you know, you, you have to kind of make that balance of if you want winter stuff, you're going to have to kind of pull.
0: And you're not thinking about that in August no. necessarily. And, <laughs> and it's just like August is usually when everyone's so exhausted and you're like, oh, my God, I can't keep up with yeah. everything. And so to be thinking ahead about like, well, what do I want to be harvesting in January? Yeah that just feels like it's ugh. a whole
1: nother thing and i definitely didn't have a whole lot of experience and i still am very much learning every year about it but <laughs> we went to another farm as to visit um that did a lot of winter stuff um and kind of just were, like just show us like we'll take anything <laughs> just like teach us anything you want you know um but yeah i think and they were in the valley and they could still pull out a lot of stuff but i think here we even have that little bit more mild and it's just like you can do it if you
0: can figure it out. I guess <laughs> it, it's a lot of it. A lot, so much of it seems trial and error. Oh, 100%. And even though we talk about co- like growing on the coast and their coastal climate, there's still so much variation with microclimates. Yeah. You know where you are out here in Napa, and I know like where I am, yeah. where our farm is in Olney. You know we're like just far off again mm-hmm. in from the ocean, but also you're much closer to the Columbia River than I am. And so we may be able to talk about like similar temperatures and stuff, but but the effects that are happening Mm -hmm. on our farms can be really different at different times. And it's very different from someone who's farming down in New Halem you know, closer to the ocean and milder. So it's, you really have to know your piece of land. Yeah,
1: and you won't know it until you just start trying. (laughs) And you start farming and then you realize,
0: oh, that doesn't work.
1: Or, oh, hey, that works, this is cool. But if there's nothing that farmers are better at, it's pivoting and just like going with what is happening and you just kind of have to do it, you know? Yeah,
0: (laughs) you just learn. Yeah, because
1: weather, what you know, land, everything, you just have to kind of make do and scramble through it.
0: (laughs) So one thing I, I have always found so impressive about you. And I think, any again, anybody who has seen you pull produce out of your farm virtually year-round is that you're really good at, at the concept of succession planting. And that's part of what allows you to just continually have a supply of produce. Can you talk about what that is and maybe talk about, you know, how you make it work? Because I think, you know, it, it certainly for farmers, it's a key thing mm-hmm. to know how to do. But even for home gardeners to really be thinking about if you want to have a consistent supply of a certain crop over a long period how do you yeah. do that
1: and I think that's the like one of the main differences between people that have more of the like home garden like mindset versus like the farming mindset that I've noticed is just that understanding of like succession and like figuring out you know like thinking of your like not how much can I just throw in in the spring and then we'll get what we get which is great I'm not knocking that at all because as part of that really appeals to me <laughs> um, but if you're thinking about like how long can I get you know, crops out of this area, you do have to kind of think of it in a more, like, long-term um, picture. And um, also just with, you know, how long certain things, how many, you know, on a little seed packet, it tells you how many days till harvest. And you have to think, like, well, if that's the harvest window, then, like, when do I plant the next round to come on? So that I, like, carrots, you want all year round, you know? And so we plant them every two weeks. Year round. I see, yeah, well, up until, like, Ju- or July is our last seeding on those, because then the winter ones can either get held in the field or in the cooler, depending. Um, but then, you know, we start them, you know, in March or whatever in the greenhouses. And so seeding
0: new crops every two every weeks, because it's not like, because then you've always got some that are coming along mm-hmm. and some that you're harvesting mm-hmm. and then a bed that's pretty much done mm-hmm. and you're flipping to another crop. Mm-hmm. So it's just having that timing. Because I think a lot of times people are like, oh, I'm gonna grow carrots and then I'll harvest yep. all my carrots and then I'll sow new ones. But right. then you've got to wait for that whole germination exactly. growing period yep. to have carrots again. Right,
1: which can be painful because carrots are delicious.
0: <laughs> I know, especially those <laughs> homegrown ones or the ones from your farm are so well, amazing. They're
1: a big seller for us so I, I want to have them every week. You know what I mean? And there's things like that where I we definitely want them every single week. So we have you know weekly or every other week generally because we can kind of get through with oh it's not quite ready we'll harvest it a little early and then get it on the next week where it's kind of ready and then switch to the next planting so generally we're on about a two-week rotation for most things like I'll sow things every two weeks um but again you know there's some wiggle room in there with things some things we do every week you know but um for yeah for most things we're just doing that you know throughout so the year. for a lot
0: of your crops it's not just things like carrots or yeah. salad greens or yeah. things like that you're doing that for most of the things that you grow
1: yeah I mean again it's not necessarily that window a lot of the like direct seed like radish you know beets carrots those would be every two weeks but things like cauliflower broccoli I usually do like once a month you know so it kind of just depends on like how long that crop you know how long the harvest window is of like well I planted this whole bed of cabbage and like you'll get a few of those nice early ones but generally it takes few weeks to get all of them up so that means I can like count on the next one coming along and you know I would want it in about three weeks or a month so I would then seed that every like two to three four weeks depending on how you know how long how fast you need to get it out (laughs) how fast it's selling you know it's just like it's kind of like a custom like you build it like however often you want that um crop you just kind of have to think then how fast you want to seed it and how much space you have, obviously. If we had unlimited (laughs) space, this would all be much easier, but it is like a jigsaw puzzle. And there are times where I just, for whatever reason, things took longer, things, you know, just weather happens and I don't get things in on time. And then we do have like a couple, you know, gap weeks for things. And that's inevitable. And that's just life. Um, But, you know, we try to get things every on these little schedules so that we, hopefully every week at market, we have like pretty,
0: a consistent, consistent supply, consistent
1: supply, and a full booth. You know.
0: Yeah, I mean, and there's always going to be things that like tomatoes aren't going to grow year round here, and basil's right. not going to grow year round right. here. So there's going to be a window of those that's that's not the same as like the entire market right. season. But you know, with a lot of the other back backbone crops that you might supply, yeah. you can you can have a more consistent supply of those if yeah. you if you time it right. Right. So it's really about timing so and planning. and in
1: space. Planning <laughs> in space.
0: Have a map. Do some math.
1: And, you know, some people get really nerdy into it, which I really admire um, and aspire to. But (laughs) I am like, I have this like rough of plan that generally mostly works and i try to stick to it but i don't get really like attached to it because again i feel like getting too attached to anything in farming is just going to disappoint you because <laughs>
0: things happen i wanted to ask you about this because you know i feel like i mean you mentioned weather yeah and uh, you know i we had a bit of a conversation before we started recording and you know lots of eye rolling like oh my god the weather because it's been kind of extreme yeah. in in recent years i feel like it's it feels more extreme like, extreme colds, extreme mm-hmm. heat, the change is really rapid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to predict. How mm-hmm. are you – how is that affecting you? And, <laughs> you know, besides just, like, periodically crying Oh yeah. your this greenhouse. Last year,
1: I definitely, like, had a panic attack when my five-year-old, like, looked out and was like, it snowed. And I – in you know uh, – In May. In April, or April, yeah, yeah. And I, like, oh, cute, it'll be a dusting. And I looked out, and it was, like, two inches, and I had this, like <laughs> – Oh. I felt so bad because I was like, ah, and they thought it was like, oh, this is a cute thing to tell my mom.
0: <laughs> and mm, I was nope. like,
1: no, I have pro. I, I just have new plants under these like, you know, this
0: beautiful blanket tents of snow that, that are
1: now like <laughs> squishing them. And it oh man, it was not, not fun. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: hopefully that won't happen again.
1: I mean, at this point,
0: <laughs> but then also it could be a drought this year, and totally. who knows? And that brings or it's, another oh, heat dome of yeah. hundred.
1: We got up to like that, you know, two years ago or whenever it was. Mm-hmm. It was like a hundred and eight i want to say yeah that's what it was at at our place yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, all the little tips of the pea Mm -hmm. plants just crisped and i was actually shocked how little damage it did yeah you know like of course we lost things but like i strategically watered and crossed my fingers and we Mm -hmm. didn't lose that much which again really speaks to having like diversified crops and a lot of different things so that if those couple things that were really susceptible fried you're okay um, but I, you know, we just do it the best we can and cross our fingers for the most well, part. Well, <laughs> and it's so weird
0: because I think in both of those examples, you know, it went from, you know, a relatively mild mm-hmm. temperature to extreme cold mm-hmm. or a relatively mild temperature. And then suddenly it's 108 degrees. Yeah. And then it went back down to not much. Oh, and it's yeah. just all it takes is that one day oh, to gosh. just freak every all the plants out. Freak me out. I <laughs> know. I know. I know so hopefully i mean it's but it's also like i'm just assuming there's going to be some oh, other weird disaster this 100%. year
1: i just yeah. don't know what it is yet exactly but it's
0: going to be something
1: oh, and yep.
0: we'll we'll work with it we'll find our way through
1: <laughs> on my like good days where i'm feeling like confident about life i like take it as like this is a fun challenge right like we get this thrown at us but you know that's yeah. not my all the time mindset <laughs> and it, on other days you're very depressed (laughs) (laughs) well it can just be very
0: very challenging i mean i think this is something that a lot of times people don't really understand about farmers Mm -hmm. is that you're so at the mercy of the uh, the weather the mean, the climate like what you can't control what happens no you control control how you respond
1: yeah but there's only so much of like wiggle room you have in that response like we don't we can't you know like you can't like go from mostly drip system which we have here to all of a sudden throw on a bunch of overhead watering to like cool stuff down. Like we still yeah. have an infrastructure slash water for that, you know. Yeah. And so there's there's <laughs> there's only so much we can do and yeah. like you just have to try your best. And
0: there's a vulnerability there that's yeah. <laughs> that's kind of challenging and is very unlike other businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of factors that are just completely outside of our control. Right. I know one other thing that um, you do have under control, and I'm really excited to talk to you about this is your organic certification. Mm -hmm. And if you are just joining us today on In Season, I'm speaking with Kelly Huckestein, and she's a farmer at Spring Up Farm in Napa, Oregon. And you are one of the few only certified.
1: There's two of us in class, as far as I know, as far as like produce. It's certified
0: organic because there's
1: also Lana um, Conscious Living, Larry Nelson. It's also certified organic. So So I know when our inspector comes. They do us too. You know,
0: so. <laughs> so, talk about that process. Why did you decide to become certified organic and, and what is that process? Because I think a lot of times the word organic is thrown around a lot mm-hmm. and a lot of people use it inappropriately and, and use it to convey like an idea about how they're growing things that mm-hmm. maybe is not true. So, talk to us about the yeah, organic process. You know, I
1: think it's complicated because, you know, it's just, it gets misconstrued on both sides there's people that like are doing things that might not get certified and might not even know that they're doing those things and say like we're basically organic which you know and then there's people that are organic that are also like just skating that law of like you know like some of the huge farms like we're just putting everything under plastic mulch and we're like you know technically it's organic but like is a whole bunch of plastic mulch like Ideal, no, you know, so it's, it's like, like a single-use bo- plastic, exactly. Mulch, yeah, that we like, throw away every year. There's both sides of that, and I think you know, it's frustrating. Um, but for us, it was really, I just, I really like it. Um, ultimately, even with all those confusing and like nothing, you know, like nothing's perfect, obviously. But I do think there's like a lot to be said for there are these like, you know, rules that you're growing by, and then you have someone come out and like. Make sure you're doing those things, you know. So and you have an
0: inspector physically come and inspect your farm, mm-hmm. check out everything you're using on your field, yeah. look at your seeds, look at all, all the stuff you're doing, yep. and verify that.
1: Everything y- we say is true. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, throughout That's the year. That's quite a
0: process to go through.
1: It is. And it's a lot, you know, I hear a lot of people talk about the cost, which it's not cheap. I'm not not saying that that is not a fe- could not be a factor for people but it's a lot of it is just like record keeping and paperwork is a. I think the ultimate like downfall for a lot of especially like you know the... i'm raising <laughs> my hand here and that's
0: i mean honestly a big part of why i never went down the certified organic route was just like oh god the record keeping and yeah. paperwork is not my strong point i'm not totally. a good spreadsheet person yeah and you're so good at that
1: i mean i'm good you're... enough that it works out but... <laughs> you're way better than i am
0: but it's but i also really respect and value that and it's it's something where i know I cannot call anything that comes from my farm organic. Right. I can't use the O word. Right. I can't say it's organic. And I might say, like, I'm happy to answer people's questions about how I grow and what I do. But, like, I can't go to the farmer's market and put a big organic flowers, organic produce right. sign on my farm. That legally is not okay.
1: No. Yeah, and that's, you know, being at the Sunday market because it's a larger market and, thing, you know, it just, it was an easy way for us to, like, you know, communicate that we are, like, following these broad rules, you know, Um, and there's things on in those organic standards that people might not, you know, think about. And again, I'm I'm not thinking like anyone's trying to maliciously like not be growing organic when they say like, we're basically organic. But you know, there's just these little things that like, I have to get every single, you know, they call input, like, run through their little
0: they, they have to approve They have of... to approve, like,
1: every single teeny little thing, like, from, you know, of course, like, the fertilizer I put out to, like, the kind of mulch I put down. Like, I, you know, the landscape fabric that I put down and take up in, like, aisles and things, like, that has to be approved. Like, every single thing that touches the ground needs to be, like, approved by them, you know? Um, and again, it's just, like, that's a lot to, like, we, you know, we don't have crazy amounts of inputs, but there's, like, it all adds up when you have to get everything um, laid out. And kudos to tilth uh, we we are certified through oregon tilth because they do a lot of the leg work, um, work around that i just send it off and say i want to use this say yes or no <laughs> and they you know and do they,
0: they sometimes say no you yeah. can't use that oh yeah and you've got to find an alternative oh yeah
1: yeah and there's things like this last year i for the first time used this really cool paper mulch um
0: oh i use that too yeah the
1: like oh what's it called i anyways Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it's like an organic paper mulch and i was like stoked about it because it can can biodegrade and um but this year i got i ordered my my rolls and they came and they didn't have the omri and omri is the like seal that says organic materials (laughs)
0: review institute totally which is like
1: another separate company but basically anything that's omri listed you know is at least able to be used somewhere in organic production and some of the you know there's mm-hmm. regulations around like it's restricted tr- use, but it's been gone through the process. Anyways, they came and it didn't have that on there, oh, and no. I kind of panicked a little because I'd already bought it, um, and I contacted the company, and he's like, "Yeah, we just ha- we just we just didn't want to go through the bureaucracy of dealing with Omri anymore." So then I had to like call my certifier and say like, "I still want to use this. They haven't changed the formula, but they don't want to deal with Omri." And so now they're going like back and forth trying to make sure and they have to sign this affidavit saying like nothing in the formula has changed and so like it's pretty rigorous you know um and so the jury's still out if i'm gonna if you're you're gonna be able to use
0: your (laughs) piper mulch or not oh no that stuff is pretty awesome
1: oh it's really cool and i just yeah i i prefer it to then putting any kind of like plastic mulch down even if i am taking it up you know um so we you know i try to find ways to get rid of plastic as much as possible and that That was that is such a huge challenge
0: i Um. know i know (laughs) but i mean to me what i think is like so um so awesome about the farms that do go through organic certification and i think especially with you selling at sunday market Mm -hmm. you sell also through the north coast food web Mm -hmm. online market i mean people know when they're buying produce from you that that you've been inspected by a third party right. you can stand behind what you're doing you're not secretly going and treating all your weeds with roundup you're <laughs> no. not spraying roundup on your farm no. and saying like oh but we're like organic yeah you know you're not doing that yeah. and people can trust that yeah. whereas you know any other farmer who hasn't gone through that process yeah. it's really just do people take you at your word
1: rich you know like and again that's... i'm not knocking it and no, like i but think it's... everyone can make their own decision around like what is important to them and what they mm-hmm. feel comfortable with. But it is. Yeah. And again, not that organic is everything and that means you have a wonderful farm either. Yeah. But there is a certain level of like security that, you know, that like exactly like you said, like Roundup's not being used or whatever, you know, things like that aren't aren't being used because they will they will find it. (laughs) Absolutely. I
0: mean, that's a thing that I think you have to think about. And as um, as I mean, for customers, there's so much information out there about food and food safety. And you just don't know. I mean, Mm. I feel like there's so many conflicting messages that come out about you know what's okay and what's not okay and so knowing that you can go to this farmer and be like okay well I trust this Mm -hmm. there is something really valuable to that and I can see how given one of the the larger produce farmers in our area it's nice that people can trust that right from you and really feel like it's worth it thank you for going through that process <laughs> yeah thank I mean, you for I was taking also just the time
1: curious to know what it was like to go through the process because you know i had never personally done it before i'd worked for farms that were certified organic but you know just being our scale you know it's definitely not set up for super small farms it's set up for larger farms and a lot of the like paperwork and things are more the language is definitely geared towards not not <laughs> tiny <size>. farms yeah. <laughs> but you know we made it through and we figured it out and like I'd be happy to talk anyone tell anyone what we learned um who's interested in doing it um but yeah I I feel like I thought it was worth it and it feels good to be doing it at this
0: That's point so cool yeah so if people are curious they want to get some of your produce they want to check out what you do, what are the ways that you sell now? Where are the the distribution channels that you sell through?
1: Currently, as of right now, we have been selling in the winter to the North Coast Food Web Online Marketplace, which you can Linked to through their website. Um, this this week and this next week, I don't have anything on there, or I don't even know when this is coming out, so maybe it will be on there. Yeah, um,
0: always worth it to go check and see what they've yeah. got because they've got a we, lot of things.
1: We try to do it every week. You know, of course, there's vaca- this is the time of year I can actually take a vacation, so that won't be every single week. But and there'll be other wonderful growers on there as well, so you won't. You'll find something on there, I promise. Um, so we do a lot through the food web this time of year, um, and then in. Starting Mother's Day, we'll be at the um, Sunday market through the whole year. I do do a very small CSA, which will be opening for signups in February, um, but we got a long waiting list. And I, yeah. you know, you can you can email me at springupfarm at gmail.com and I will put you on the waiting list. No guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the best place to find us is at the Sunday market.
0: Yeah. And it's, I mean, it really is such a beautiful display, and you bring a lot. hmm. I would say come early, yes, <laughs> because they definitely sell out of stuff and there's a long line. Yeah, but it's really worth it. Um, it's just such beautiful produce and and in season. It's grown in this area. The f- the flavor is so good, and it's a really good example of what grows well in our area. I think that's what's so inspiring to see um, mm-hmm. is that you're able to really. Uh, demonstrate that there's a wide variety of crops that will grow well in our area.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's surprising when I first moved out here at, from the, we were working on farms in the valley, um, had a number of people tell me I was crazy <laughs> uh, just because it, it, is, it is just a very different place to grow. And even when you're like trying to read gardening books and farming books, you have to translate them to coastal things. It's just it's different. And um, we're
0: cooler and wetter yeah. But also our growing season is pretty long. Totally.
1: And you know, there's there's bonuses and there's negatives of course with everything, but it is shocking like how much can actually grow out here. People tell you you can't grow anything on the coast. That is not true. I know. <laughs> you can. You just might not be able to do like the best hot house tomatoes or like okra or sweet potatoes, but you can grow <laughs> a lot. Of
0: stuff. I know, and it's like you if you're going to fixate on those few things right. that are challenging to grow out here, I think you're missing such oh, an abundance. So of so many things you know whether you're wanting to start a farm or you're homesteading or you have a home garden mm-hmm. there's such an abundance of things available to oh, you yeah. here and if you don't want to get your hands dirty just go to the market go to any of the farmers markets out here on the yeah. coast there's some wonderful farms out here but if you're lucky enough to go to a story sunday market <laughs> when it's in operation and you get there early you might get some of kelly's amazing produce especially those carrots. Oh my goodness, they are so good.
1: I know I miss them. They really are
0: good. And I grow carrots and her carrots well, they're always prettier than mine cuz I'm not as good at thinning. <laughs> I actually don't thin. You're just better. You're just better at it. No, you're I'm just, not. you I'm are. Not. I know. Mine taste good, but yeah. yours are yours are prettier. <laughs> <laughs> i am just so grateful for you taking the time out of i mean know it's a slow time of year but still taking time out of your farming day to, to chat and talk about that. i know but it's just it's great I, I like to highlight like what happens in different times of year and just really show the value of farms out here in our area you know it's really great that there's food being produced in our region and i
1: want more more yeah farmers, more, farmers, more
0: farmers more farmers <laughs> i know we both do so <laughs> Um, thank you all so much for listening. Thanks for joining us for In Season. And thank you again to Kelly. Have the stay of Spring Up Farm. Thank uh, you. It's been a great conversation. We'll talk to you next time.